we call it sometimes in, um, adult baptism or believer's baptism. And uh, our speaker, David Russell, is actually going to take a few moments just to explain more about the concept of baptism. Thanks, David. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, really great to see so many people here this morning. A baptism is always a very special occasion for us here at Crescent because we believe that believer's baptism is one of the most important steps that a Christian can ever take in their lives. Christian baptism goes all the way back to the Gospels. It was one of two ordinances that the Lord Jesus instituted for the church before he went back to heaven. He told the church to break bread in remembrance of him, which we've already done this morning. And then he also told us to baptize. In Matthew 28, he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he gave the church the responsibility of teaching his word, making disciples and then baptizing them. First and foremost, this is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the time of the early church, people were always baptized immediately after conversion. But why is baptism so significant? And what's it really all about? Well, before the church was founded, the ancient Jews used to baptize. They baptized converts to Judaism to show that they had been cleansed of their old lives. And then whenever John the Baptist was preparing the way for Christ, he proclaimed a different kind of baptism, a baptism of repentance. And he said that everyone, Jew and Gentile, needed to be cleansed because everyone needs to repent. But Christian baptism is very different again. And it has a much deeper significance for us. This is where a Christian says publicly that they are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour and that he has cleansed them from their sin. What you're about to see is a very vivid picture of death, burial, and new life. That's why baptism by full immersion, as we're doing it here this morning, is so important. The original Greek word means to submerge. It was actually a word that was used uh, to talk about dyeing a piece of cloth, about dipping the whole piece of cloth into the dye and then taking it out again. And when each of these four people go down into the water and they rise up again, It's a dramatic illustration of how the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ has brought them new life from spiritual death. And also that their old lives have died with Christ. That they have died to sin and they have been raised up with him, cleansed and sanctified to live a new kind of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 6 says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, what baptism does not do is save a person. The only thing that saves and cleanses us is the blood of Jesus and having personal faith in him. There is nothing supernatural about this water beside me. This isn't some kind of ritual cleansing. Baptism for a believer is really a demonstration so that people can see on the outside what's already taken place on the inside in their hearts. Christ taught how important it is for all believers to identify themselves with him out in public. And that's what this is really all about. And that's also why we don't practice infant baptism. Baptism isn't a requirement for salvation. If you're believing in Christ and you're not baptized, you're still a Christian. But it's really an act of obedience. And we're just really glad that you could join us here this morning as these four believers obey the Lord Jesus 
and identify themselves with him. Thank you, David. We're coming now to the actual event. Uh, Just to explain, I'm going to read out a short bio for each of you. And at the end of that, uh, if you come forward, Rachel, you're the first. So to our two warriors want to get into the tank. Not sure what the temperature is. (laughs) We'll just watch their faces and you'll find out. This is a joyous event, by the way, and we hope that the parents and friends, seems to be okay, the parents and friends will enjoy uh, this moment uh, with their loved one. Rachel Neal. Rachel, at the age of six, while attending a CSSM uh, camp in Port Ballantrae, asked Christ into her life. She says that since then the Lord has been faithful to her, using older uh, godly role models, Christian friends, and solid teaching. After starting university, Rachel continued to grow as a Christian. She says that Christ has given her a peace and purpose and a hope for beyond this life. Rachel is really grateful to her family and friends who have continued to pray and encourage her on her Christian journey. She says that she was challenged by the teaching in the book of Acts where Luke records the commandment, repent and be baptized. She says that she is excited to finally be baptized as a believing adult. Rachel. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Rachel, do you acknowledge that you have repented of your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your Saviour and the Lord of your life? I do. Because of this declaration of your faith and as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are delighted to baptise you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Our second candidate for baptism is uh, known as Chester. And uh, Chester comes from northeast China. There were very few Christians in his hometown, and there was a lot of suspicion about Christianity there. After studying for his degree at university, he came to Belfast to do a PhD in pharmacy. And while in Belfast, he's come into contact with Christians, but first impressions weren't always good. After about six months, uh, Chester came to Crescent Church. He was made to feel welcome, he told us, and started attending a Bible study run in the church. He was particularly interested in science and the Bible, and he came to the conclusion after much study that there was no real conflict between science and the Bible. He says, I decided to follow God. He came to faith on the 28th of July, 2019, when he realized that salvation is a free gift from God. Chester says, I want to be baptized to let people know that I'm a Christian. It's the start of a long journey. Chester.
Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Chester, do you acknowledge that you have repented of your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Lord of your life? I do. Because of this declaration of your faith, and as a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are delighted to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our third candidate is uh, Jared Laurie. Jared told us he was brought up in a Roman Catholic faith, and as a teenager he had an interest in religion, but in his later teens became disillusioned and gradually became distant from the church. More recently, Jared told us that he'd been on a journey to reconnect his faith. He got to the point he felt where he had no faith or meaning or purpose in life. But about two years ago, his dad had a stroke. And Jared walked with his family on, walked with his father on that final life journey. And it made him think about spiritual things again. And after the death of his father, he wanted to reconnect with faith, or as he told us, to rewire himself. He attended an Alpha course, and he realized that he didn't want to be alone. He wanted to be saved. He just didn't feel worthy about salvation. But over a period of several months, he came to realize that he was worthy of God's salvation because Jesus died on the cross for his sins. Three months ago, he came to a point where he accepted Christ. He says, it's lifted a big weight off my shoulder, and I'm happy. And this is the start of his journey. Jared. But I am not ashamed, for I know who I am, who, whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Jared, do you acknowledge that you have repented of your sins and accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? I do. Good man. Because you have publicly declared your faith and as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jay, I'm sorry to have kept you waiting to the end. <laughs> Jay comes from a region in South China. He went to university there, and his university had connections with Queen's University. When he finished his primary degree, he started working, but then went back to university for further study. Jay had some contact with Christians in China, and in 2016, he began working in an area where there were many Christians. A Korean Christian befriended him, 
and would encourage Jay to study the Bible with him. He says he became a Christian at that time. He became, and this is a lovely phrase, he says, I moved from being a believer to a follower of Jesus Christ. Since coming to Belfast to pursue a PhD in pharmacy, he's been coming to Crescent where he enjoys the teaching and Bible study. He says, I, wasn't, I want to be baptized to show a public commitment to Christ. Jay. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Jay, do you acknowledge that you have repented of your sins and trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? I do. As a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ and upon your confession of faith, we are delighted to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, for some of the folk who have been baptized this morning, it is genuinely a life-changing event. Uh, they they go, will return to societies where these things mark them out. And just let's pray that uh, all four candidates will be deeply blessed by obeying the Lord's uh, command. Again, this um, hymn has been picked by several of our, uh, I think it was Chester and Jay, both picked this uh, hymn. It's in Christ Alone. Two hundred and five in the book, and we'll stand to sing. And after that, David Russell will come and speak to us. David is a member here; he's a part of our regular um, Bible teaching team, and in daytime he's a, a, an estate agent. So we're looking forward to hearing from David. We will stand to sing in Christ alone. Two hundred and five.
Well, thank you, and good morning again. Uh, we're really glad that you could join us on this really special morning. I know that all four of the guys who were baptized this morning will really appreciate your support, so thank you for making the effort to come along this morning. I'm not going to keep you for too long. I'm a bit worried about my precarious position up here, so I'm worried I'm not going to be able to keep my balance. So I would just like to read a very short passage with you from the Bible that's found in the book of Acts. It's a very well-known story. This is the story of a baptism from the days of the early church. And as we read it together, we're going to delve into what it can mean for our lives today. It's found in Acts chapter 8. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 917. Or feel free to just listen along if you would prefer. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. There's three things that this story tells us that we're going to tease out very briefly this morning. Firstly, there was a man traveling through a desert place. Secondly, he heard good news. And thirdly, his life was transformed. Firstly, this story is all about a man traveling down a road. The road going from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza was the last watering place that you came to before the desert road leading down to Egypt. Acts describes this as a desert place. It was in the middle of a barren wilderness. And on that road was a man traveling in a chariot. He was an Ethiopian high court official. The queen's treasurer. He was the chancellor of the exchequer. He was one of the royal court's most important and trusted men. And he was on his way home from Jerusalem. It says that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. 
He had probably been there on a pilgrimage to the temple during one of the annual festivals. Lots of people from lots of different places did that every year. He probably wasn't a convert to Judaism. He was likely just someone who respected Israel's God. But what we know for sure is that he had made a very long journey from his home country all the way to Jerusalem's temple. There was something in Jerusalem that he was seeking. Now, he was probably a really wealthy man. He had an important job. He had a dignified position. He commanded a lot of respect. He had influence with royalty. This man had it made. He had the kind of life that most of us would love to have. But it wasn't enough for him. He was still looking for something more. And maybe at times you found yourself feeling that way. Like your life is missing something really important. And maybe you don't even know what it is. I don't know how you're all getting on with your Christmas shopping, but I haven't even started. And the same thing happens to me every single year. Sometime around the 23rd of December, I go into Belfast and I squeeze my way through the crowds into one shop after another with my list of who I'm buying for. And then when I'm finally finished and I breathe a sigh of relief and I make my way to Starbucks for a gingerbread latte, all of a sudden I panic. And I think to myself, what I've bought isn't enough. I haven't got enough for this person or for that person. And then I turn on my heel and I go back to the shops again to find something more. And life can be a bit like that, can't it? Going through jobs and houses and cars and friends and relationships, looking for that one more thing, whatever it might be. Never really, truly being satisfied. I read a blog recently written by a woman who said that she had a great job, a terrific husband, good health, fantastic friends, and she was sitting in her living room one day in her expensive house overlooking lush, beautiful green fields, and she couldn't stop asking herself, is this it? Is this all there is? And this man in Acts chapter 8 was having a similar experience to that which brought him all the way from his hometown to the temple. Now, he had heard about Israel's God. Maybe he knew what God had done for people throughout history. And he wanted to encounter God for himself. Something deep down told him, this is what I have been looking for. And he was absolutely right. We've been thinking about the book of Genesis here over the past few months. And Genesis shows us how we were designed as human beings to know God for ourselves. God created us in his image to experience a relationship with him. But Genesis also says that our sin, the things that we do wrong, has cut that connection and taken us away from him. So our hearts are always silently reaching out for the person who made us even if we don't realize it. It's like whenever you drive away from your house and suddenly you lose your Wi-Fi connection. Your phone is still reaching out for that connection, but the connection isn't being made because you're not at the source anymore. The source of life is what all of us are missing, the most fundamental thing of all. And that's why this man went to the temple in Jerusalem. 
He was going there to get back to the source. But he must have left Jerusalem a bit disappointed. Because whenever he went to God's house, it was like no one was home. There was plenty of religion. And there was plenty of ritual. But that's all there was. It was just ceremony. There was no light. And there was no life about it. God's glory wasn't there. And not being Jewish, he couldn't even take part in most of the Jewish rites. He was confined to the very outer court of the temple, the court of the Gentiles. He was on the outside of the whole thing looking in. There was no encounter. There was no connection. So as his chariot trundled its way back home, he might have been feeling a bit like his surroundings that day. You might have been feeling a bit dry and barren. And maybe you can sympathize with that. If you've ever tried connecting with God for yourself. Maybe by living a good clean life or by being religious. You might even be a good church attender. You sing the hymns, you close your eyes during the prayers and you don't fall asleep too often during the sermons. But if you're honest about it, you might still feel as far from God as ever. None of it has really given you that connection that you were hoping for. If anything, it's left you feeling even further away. And that's how this eunuch was feeling this day on this road. But he wasn't giving up hope yet. He decided on his journey home he was going to do some reading. Now, I love reading whenever I travel, but I tend to go for light reading whenever I travel. But the eunuch was not reading anything light. He was reading Isaiah chapter 53. Open on his lap was a scroll of the Jewish scriptures. He had probably picked it up during his pilgrimage. And he was reading over it, trying to make sense of what the prophet was saying. Trying to figure it all out. And he couldn't make head nor tail of it. But fortunately for him, God sent someone to join him on the road. Someone to join him and deliver to him some good news. Philip, one of the Christian workers in those days, was told to go to that road and come alongside this chariot. And whenever he came to him and he heard him reading out loud, he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, no, no, I don't understand. How can I understand unless someone guides me? And little did this man know, but this portion of scripture that he was reading had the answer to the exact problem that he was facing. From this piece of scripture, Philip was able to share with him the good news about Jesus. Now, what was the good news about Jesus? Well, the good news was that whenever our connection to God was lost, without any hope of recovery, he came down to earth himself To make things right. The son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ. Came from heaven as a man. As a man who didn't have the sin that the rest of us have. The sin that was keeping us from him. But he came here. To take our sin. To take the blame. For all the things that we've ever done wrong. Through Isaiah. God was showing centuries before he ever came. Exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ would do. That he would be taken and he would be led 
like a sheep to the slaughter. Now, a ritual sacrifice of a lamb was one of the ways that the Jews could have their sins forgiven by God. It was how they could reach God in a very remote kind of way. A lamb would be taken and led away and killed and offered on the altar in the temple as a substitute. The eunuch might have seen that during his time in Jerusalem. And that's the picture that Isaiah paints of the Son of God. Coming as meek as a lamb with no resistance to be slaughtered. Why? For that very same reason. To take away sin. The Lamb of God came to take away not just the sin of Israel, but he came to take away the sin of the whole world. Your sins, my sins, everyone's sins. So that all of us could come back to God again. The creator of everything that is handed himself over for us to be beaten and scourged and spat on to have nails driven into his hands and feet to be hung like the lowest criminal on a Roman cross and on that cross he became the lamb he became the substitute for every guilty human being something happened on the cross that none of us will ever fully understand For three hours on the cross, God covered the whole land in darkness. It was like God just turned out the light. And in that darkness, 2 Corinthians says that the one who knew no sin was made sin for us. He personally carried our sins in his own body. And God dealt with our sin forever. He punished Christ In our place. Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And because of the cross. And because Christ rose from the dead. The good news is. That we don't have to be far away from him anymore. We can be brought near by the blood of the Lamb. The connection can finally be restored. And that was very good news for this Ethiopian official. Someone outside of Israel who wasn't a part of God's chosen nation could come as near to God as it was possible to be. And so can we. If we just accept what he has done for us. If we do that, everything changes. So thirdly and finally, let's look at a transformed life. As soon as the official believed in his heart that the Lord Jesus was the Son of God and that he came to die for his sin, he came to a stretch of water in a place where there hadn't been any. He came to water in a desert place. And the imagery there is obvious, isn't it? Whenever we come to Christ, it's just like finding water in a wilderness. The Lord Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty... If anyone is unsatisfied, if anyone is looking for more from life, let him come to me. Let him come to me and from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Christ wants to satisfy your deepest longing to know God for yourself. 
He doesn't want you spending your life in a desert place. The cross was the greatest desert place of all. He went there so that you would never have to. He went there so that there would be no more desert places for you. But he can't come into your life unless you ask him in. Christ said that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in him, has everlasting life. And whenever the official realized what had happened inside his heart, he wanted straight away to show everybody that things had changed. So he said to Philip, what hinders me from being baptized? And they went down to the water and Philip baptized him just like that. The baptism wasn't what gave him this new life. Baptism didn't give him this wellspring of living water that he now had in his heart. It was the Holy Spirit coming into his life that did that. But what he did in this story and what we've seen happen here this morning is a picture of exactly what happens whenever we believe in Jesus. We rise up into a new life. Right now, without Christ, the Bible says that we are spiritually dead. We are in a desolate wilderness with no hope. But in Christ, our old life ends and a new eternal life in him begins. And that's good news for all of us. Whoever we might be, wherever we might have come from, whatever our life might be like. So if you haven't believed in him, if you haven't put your trust in Christ, then can I just encourage you to think again this morning about the almighty God who loved you so much that he came in the person of his son and took all of your sin. He loved you so much that he became the lamb who was slain. And if you already believe and you haven't done what you've seen done here this morning, then can I also encourage you to read over these verses in Isaiah? Can I encourage you to think about what he did for you, becoming human and humbling himself, enduring the wrath of God, identifying himself with you through the cross? It would mean so much to Christ if you would identify yourself with him. Could I gently ask, what hinders you? Is it really too much to ask for someone who did all that for you that you would do something as simple as this to say, I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me? Now, if you would like to chat to me about anything that I've said this morning, I would love to talk to you. I'll still be around for a while afterwards. So please feel free to come and have a chat with me. I'll just close in prayer and then I'll hand back to David. Our Father, we thank you for what we have seen take place here this morning. Father, we thank you for this image that we have been shown of death, burial, and new life. Father, we thank you that we have seen on the outside what can take place on the inside whenever a person puts their trust in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, our prayer this morning is that if there's anyone here who hasn't trusted in him, who hasn't put their faith in the Son of God who loved them and gave himself for them, that they would, even this morning, just in simple faith, trust in him, commit their lives to him, and ask him in. And Father, we pray that you will help us as we think over these things this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. We thank you for the challenge that it is for us. And we thank you most of all for the person that it tells us about. We thank you for the good news about Jesus. That's in his name that we now pray, giving you thanks. Amen.